from Seattle, Washington. I'm Zach Jabal, and this is a Vine Pair Podcast Next Round Conversation. We're bringing you these episodes in between our regular podcasts so we can explore a broader range of issues and stories in the drinks world. And today I'm speaking with Sheeta Drysdale, who's a beverage manager at Virgin Atlantic. Sheeta, thanks so much for your time. Thank you. Nice to speak to you, Zach. Yeah, yeah. It's been, uh, you know, you and I both juggling uh, work and kids. <laughs> it's been a little while <laughs> to put this together, but I'm very glad we did. We're here uh, now. Yeah, exactly. So so why don't we start with just a little bit about you? So how did you kind of get into uh, the beverage alcohol industry? Were you in in the airline industry and came into this or were you in drinks and then came to the airline industry? Um, so I have been in the aviation industry for over 20 years. So I started oh, wow. off um, as cabin crew uh, or flight attendant many, many, many years ago. And an interest in wine has always been in the periphery, but it was never my, obviously it was never my, my core job. Um, you know, I was cabin crew and then I moved into different um, areas of um, the airline. So I used to work for a company called um, Air Tours, which got changed to my travel, which got changed to Thomas Cook. And then about 14, 15 years ago, I came across to Virgin Atlantic um, as a crew manager. And then I I worked in um, a couple of different departments. And then um, I've been working in in-flight services who look after pretty much it's an operational team and we look after pretty much anything that goes on board comes from our area whether it's food or equipment or drinks and just having that interest in wine is is kind of my passion Mm -hmm. um I've done a few qualifications and you know do a lot of reading about the 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 wine industry and the wine world um just it just so happened a couple of years ago that uh, a position an opportunity came around um in working for the beverage team um so I was lucky enough to um get that position so it's kind of um, a marriage of two of my passions in one so I'm very lucky to be in the role that I'm in working for an airline and having um, the ability to to learn and and deal with um, beverages and drinks. So I want to ask this because you know since you started out as as cabin crew as you mentioned between when you kind of got started in in the airline industry and now what are some of the biggest changes to what kind of offerings there are in flight? I think we've always, I think between both airlines, I mean, at Virgin Atlantic, um, we have a complimentary range. So all of the drinks that we offer on board um, is complimentary. And we also have our clubhouses um, globally. Mm-hmm. Um, and there is a lot of regionality within um, the, the offering that you see in the clubhouses overseas. Uh, on board, um, you know, we try and appeal to um, the majority where possible. So, um, you know, we do load as many um, familiar brands as, as possible so that it's um, um, so the customers are, are aware of the brands that we're loading it creates good partnerships with some of the brands that we work with um, so yeah so I think um, we've always tried to like I said appeal to to the masses rather than um, small you know looking at smaller niche um, opportunities because um, something that we have to really consider when choosing brands is um, we have on board obviously extremely limited space and we have Mm. to be mindful of weight and there are two key things that we really need to be um, that we have to consider uh, when choosing partners brands and products Um, because just just naturally just purely because of the the environment that we work in um, we have to be very very like I said mindful of um, that what we're what we're offering is uh, appealing Sure. And we don't fly product around that. We'll just fly there and back, there and back, there, yeah. there and back. That, you know, it, it will be consumed and enjoyed. Um, so it's a lot of consideration and lots of um, sort of a Tetris playing sometimes um, <laughs> with, with our loading on board with our beverage products. Yeah. Well, you mentioned this. And so I want to I ask kind of a little more about 
that the sort of very practical considerations of, of onboard service. So you mentioned that desirability and, and the fact that, you know, ideally everything that goes on the plane is consumed. So you're not flying it around, um, you know, needlessly. Yeah. But, but what are some of the other considerations that people like me who just have been on airplanes and not really ever been and thought much about the operations, you know, you mentioned um, weight, but so does that mean that you're looking for things in different packaging than people might expect? What about like opening bottles? Like, are you, are you prioritizing, you know, non-court closures? Like what about all that kind of stuff? Um, packaging packaging is key. I mean, ideally, you know, the, mo- the more lighter weight, the better. Um, how the size um, of the product, how it could be um, packaged into the small drawers and the small carts, and then therefore the trolleys, mm-hmm. um, has to be considered. We have um, a beautiful space in our upper class cabins. You know, we've we've had the bars and we have some social spaces now um, which packaging isn't so um, essential because you know we like to showcase the brands that we're working with so that creates a space you know a bit of theater with with what we provide but certainly where premium economy and economy concerned we have to be just you know consider um, the size because we want to load as much on because we don't want to ever be in a situation where, where we're running out of sure. um, certain products uh, but we are constantly looking at consumption rates um, we look at uh, regionality we look at seasonality because um, what might appeal on um, a west coast flight might not necessarily appeal to an east coast flight sure. or um, um, an eastbound flight, you know, if we're flying to the Middle East or the Far East. So it's, it really is um, just looking at consumption rates, making sure that we're adapting and being as flexible as we can, just bearing in mind that we are considering, um, you know, our carbon offsetting and our footprints. And um, like I said, just making sure that we are loading enough um, of that particular product for, for our customers. Excellent. And I'm wondering, you know, one thing that I've, uh, we here at the Fiber Podcast have been talking a lot about um, over the last couple of years are RTDs, canned cocktails, yeah. that kind of thing. And, and I think, you know, classically, you know, I think for a lot of people, uh, you know, you're sort of, in a way, your, your, your stereotypical airline experience is, um, you know, uh, an airline bottle of your spirit and, you know, whatever mixer you choose are you looking at, are you loading in canned cocktails to kind of cut out one of those pieces and or offer more variety? It's uh, interesting you say that, actually, because we've been doing a bit of studying here. We've, we've done a few trials um, of introducing RTDs into our product range, and it's certainly something purely um, from a sustainability perspective. Um, certainly cans, as you know, are you know fully recyclable. Mm-hmm. You know, they're lighter weight than bottles. Um, you know, we, we run um, our vision and our key strategy is to remove um, single-use plastic where possible on board our aircrafts. Um, so we're very keen to, to do that and certainly cans create that opportunity for us to do so. And it's particularly now when cans um, are so readily available and you're getting really good quality um, products within those cans. And the choice is just, um, certainly in the UK market, I'm sure it is in, in the US market, you know, the, the choice of um, ranges that you can get now are just are, are fantastic. So it's certainly given us scope, especially over the last two years, to to look at that market more closely and um, start thinking about how we can introduce um, RTDs within our core range. And again, creating that opportunity to enable choice because we haven't really had, we, we can showcase core range, you know, a G&T, you know, a vodka and Coke. Um, but um, having an RTD enables that consistency of serve. It enables us to create a bit more um theater I guess mm-hmm. um so it's certainly something that we're looking at yeah very cool yeah no I, I think there's definitely something to be said about 
airlines in that general setting of where, you know, you want to be able to offer people maybe more and different flavors than they've mm. been used to in the past. Absolutely. But you can also, yeah, hit multiple goals at once. It seems like a, a natural fit, but then again, I'm just mm. a guy who's on a podcast. I don't, uh, I don't. Yeah, do <laughs> no, we definitely think like that too. Yeah, very cool. Absolutely. Okay, so so a, a different question because um, one thing that I've always been uh, fascinated by since I first heard about it is this notion that uh, food and drink taste different at altitude. Um, you know, mm. in an airplane when you're 30, 35,000 feet above uh, the earth, and that and that for um, you know, beverage programs in particular, it's important to kind of consider that. Is that, is that, is there truth to that? And, and how do you kind of account for what, um, how, how a product might taste differently at altitude versus on the ground? Yeah, I th- there is definitely a science behind that. I'm not too familiar with the actual science, but sure. we do consider that as um, part of our choices. Not so much for wines, because wines are so unique in themselves, and they obviously have their own personalities. And wine is such, uh, such a subjective topic anyway sure. um, but certainly when we're looking at um, like tomato juice and bloody mary's are a, a prime example of customers searching for that um extra flavor mm-hmm. and that umami you know um taste and um your taste buds are certainly heightened or, or the, the the premise is that your taste buds are heightened purely because obviously the aircraft environment is quite dry you know drying mm-hmm. your um senses within your nose and your taste buds are slightly dampened and dulled down so I, th- I think you naturally crave a bit more acidity a bit more mm. freshness that sharpness so I think naturally drinks like that lend themselves better on an in an aircraft environment because I think that's what people generally just crave and they just you just want that extra extra burst of flavor if that makes sense it certainly does yeah I'm curious too you know you mentioned and a thing that I hadn't necessarily thought entirely about but obviously a big part of the job is as you said, the clubhouses, you know, this other way that people interact yeah. with beverage through under the auspices of an airline. So, you, you know, you mentioned a little bit that um, from, you know, location to location, there's going to be some uh, variety based on maybe what's local or what's available or, or both. Mm. But kind of how are those stocked? Is it a similar thought to the airline or do you get to kind of have more, uh, not I don't say like, you know, strange things, but a little less familiar product because you're not dealing with some of the limitations of you know weight and uh, you know just yeah. need to have it be very accessible yeah it's, it, they do lend themselves to um giving us the opportunity to um explore and expand our ranges whereas we we just we just can't do that on board and mm-hmm. and certainly we do look at um, locality and regionality and what um um consumers find more what they would like to see within that that space and it just gives us again the 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 teams that we work with um, locally are, are brilliant at what they do you know we have mixologists we have um you know baristas we have um a fantastic bartender so you know they are just full of knowledge and we certainly would uh, lean on them as, as SMEs in their field to help us um, identify what would work well in those environments so um you know we, we really do try and um as I said lean on on the experts that we have within our within our teams Makes sense. And as far as, you know, uh, coming back a little bit to the air, to the airline um, and, you know, an in-flight experience. So uh, tell me a little more about the sort of um, like the first class uh, cocktail lounges and things like this. I have this vision in my head um, of like the era of aviation from before I was alive, uh, mm-hmm. where, you know, the, there was a piano and people would like, you know, kind of just uh, mill about. And if it wasn't for the fact that, you know, you're on an airplane, you could be mistaken for being in a, in a cocktail bar. Is oh, that, yeah. is that, is that kind of the vibe and, and why is that, 
in your opinion or, or, or even expertise, what is the appeal of that for, for a certain kind of traveler? Um, I think it's that it's, it's, it's certainly a, it's an aspirational environment. And I think it just having that, it, we, we find, we've done a few trials with um, various categories and we, we still believe that within within any any cabin really that there is a sense of um, a treat and indulgent experience within um, sort of the upper class cabin and, and premium economy for example um, so people still love to have you know the glass of champagne when they're boarding mm-hmm. um, you know we, we've we've trialed um, certain no and low categories which um, we assumed would work well because you know the time is quite right and you know the no and low categories are very very popular here on the ground um, we found that they haven't really necessarily translated um, that well in the air. Mm. And that's not to say that we wouldn't load them or we wouldn't include them by any stretch because it's certainly, you know, it's definitely key. Um, But we still find that customers tend to um, still enjoy the more indulgent cocktails and um, champagne and we we fly English sparkling. Um, So I think, you know, that whole element of, of, treating yourself is still very much there and having that just a bit of me time I think um, yeah. is absolutely key for just that space where you can just really enjoy um, just treating yourself. And what about for like the uh, thoughts of um, flights where there's you know some kind of meal service I mean I understand that mm-hmm. depending on the the destination and the duration of the flight that may not obviously not a part of every flight but you know, I've been on some um, international flights where there are sort of like, oh, here's not only here's the menu, but here are sort of wine pairings. Is that something that yeah. you, you look at? And how do you kind of how do you make those work? We do. We we, we work very closely um, with our food team here. And um, it's something that we want to we have done in the past. And we we try and choose wines that, um, again, are, would would pair with most of our dishes sure. um we um we've worked with some great um wine partners in the past uh, berry brothers and rudd were our uh, most recent one we had a, a fantastic relationship with them and we do look at um when the menu cycle changes and we will um, look at um, what wines uh, are up and coming you know we like looking at some um um new world wines and old world wines and just seeing what um the season is um you know we'll introduce um sweet wine when the time is right we obviously have our um cheese as our um dessert and pudding service so we've you know introduced port in the past so we definitely work very closely and look at um you know where we are with the, the menu cycles and you know what time of the year is um introducing newness where we possibly can you know look at what's trending uh, on the ground seeing what's popular within the on and off trade so there's you know we do a lot we do a lot of thinking about sure. what we're going to load when um at the right time and how about for you Sheeta? like how do you kind of discover new wines and and kind of keep on top of what's happening i mean obviously you know reading and all that is very important but i assume there's a lot of there's a decent amount of tasting in your life as well oh yes 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 i do have done a lot of tasting and, it, and it's and it's great I, I absolutely i thoroughly enjoy um what i do and and learning uh, like i said we i've worked we worked with berry brothers of rudd who are just brilliant um at take us along the journey and you know they used to showcase hundreds and hundreds of different wines we would spend you know days and days um tasting so many different um up and coming varietals um up and coming brands um um new winemakers it's it's, it's been a great experience and so you know we're constantly looking at the marketplace looking at seeing who's what's going to be what's going to be appealing to our customers in the future we're looking at sustainable brands you know we're looking at um provenance um we're looking at where we fly to and we really want to showcase um 
some of the destinations we fly to and some of the um, vineyards and the wine um, merchants that are coming from those um, particular destinations. We um, are constantly looking at what's occurring on the, you know, on and off trade. We get a lot of feedback from um, our customers that uh, pass through our clubhouses, um, crew, we get a lot of feedback from them you know we love to listen to what what their thoughts are so there's a lot of analysis and um so my last question is you know we're, we're getting to this point obviously the last year and a half or so has been a little bit uh challenging mm-hmm. for everyone and and airline travel in, in particular like a lot of other parts of of sort of the uh travel and hospitality industry has has had a lot of issues but but looking forward and and maybe just sort of something to dream on for me who's still mostly stuck at home um Mm-hmm. It, given all the all the destinations that uh, Virgin Atlantic flies to, if you could get on a plane tomorrow with no considerations about anything else, including you know family, COVID, etc., where would you be flying to, and what would you be drinking? Oh, um, I would probably fly to South Africa. Mm. Um, I've tried and tasted. Um, quite a lot of um, South African Chenin Blanc recently and it's it's a varietal that I've always enjoyed but haven't really got to know very well but I certainly have recently and it's probably my favorite varietal right now so I think I would fly to South Africa head down to the Cape and enjoy a beautifully crisp chilled glass of Chenin Blanc on my way. Well that sounds delightful Uh, (laughs) save me a seat please. Um, I will do. (laughs) (laughs) Sheeta, thank you so much for your time. Really fascinating. I I love, you know, for one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you was because for so many people, um, air travel and, and, and drinking while flying are so both kind of interconnected, but also, as you pointed out, um, there's a way in which it is a sort of uh, sometimes a small, sometimes a big indulgence that we allow ourselves. um, And, and yet, even for me as a professional, it's not always something I think a lot about. So uh, again, really fascinating to hear a little bit about um, kind of the inside workings of how um, an airline it kind of approaches its beverage program. And I look forward to checking it out in person before too long. Lovely. We look forward to welcoming you on board, Zach, anytime. Thanks so much for listening to the Vine Pair Podcast. If you love this show as much as we love making it, then please leave us a rating or review on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever it is you get your podcasts. It really helps everyone else discover the show. Now for the credits. VinePair is produced and recorded in New York City and Seattle, Washington by myself and Zach Jabal, who does all the editing and loves to get the credit. Also, I would love to give a special shout out to my VinePair co-founder, Josh Mallon, for helping me make all this possible. And also to Keith Beavers, VinePair Tasting Director, who is additionally a producer on this show. I also want to, of course, thank every other member of the VinePair team who are instrumental in all of the ideas that go into making this show every week. Thanks so much for listening and we'll see you again.